My name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Embers to Excellence. My goal is to explore the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. In addition to leadership, I like to discuss mental health, PTSD, and overcoming adversity. If you have a favorite episode, I would love to hear about it. Message me through social media or my website, and I will share some free tools to help you achieve your goals. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you haven't purchased your copy of my book, Fireproof, please grab a copy today. Thanks for listening. Today, I've got a special treat for everybody. Uh, I am speaking with Dr. Joshua Hellman, who is a Harvard-trained physician licensed in 14 states. He has two degrees in biochemistry, his bachelor's from Harvard, where he earned magna cum laude, or magna, I'm sorry, magna. Uh, <laughs> He has two degrees in biochemistry, uh, his bachelor's from Harvard, where he earned magna cum laude, and his master's from the University of Cambridge in the United Kingdom. He is board certified by the American Board of Emergency Medicine and American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. His medical degrees are from Harvard Medical School and MIT. He is the former medical director of Hippocrates Health Institute, uh, was on the True North Health Center research team and was affiliated with, but, um, was affiliated with Spinagle Wellness Institute. His areas of interest include vitality, longevity, toxins, mold, <clears throat> Lyme disease, and fasting. He is passionate about applying his bio, uh, <clears throat> applying his biochemical knowledge to real world challenges. As a plant-based physician, he embraces an integrative approach, including the importance of diet and lifestyle for optimal health. I had the privilege of uh, meeting Dr. Joshua Hellman at, uh, at a, a holiday event uh, back in December and uh, had this great conversation, and I knew right away I wanted to have him on the show. So, uh, Doc? Thank you so much for agreeing to have this conversation with me and, and joining me today. Yeah, Dave, it's great to be here and it's great to actually to continue the conversation we started in December. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I tell you, after our conversation, um, my fiance and I, we, we dug a little deeper. We, we started doing a, a little more fasting and it, it's... Uh, I think she's been a little more active on that side of things, but <laughs> but uh, we we are uh, taking it very serious. Like the information that you provided was was awesome. So it, it's great that we can now uh, share that information right from uh, right from your brain to the audience. So um, like to dig in where where it all began, uh, where were you born and raised, and what were some of the um, early events in your life that, that shaped who you are and, and maybe influenced the path that you've followed thus far? Sure, so I, I actually was born in Los Angeles, California, and you know, looking back at it, it was a pretty sheltered life. You know, I w went to you know, prep schools and well, I went to private school uh, after public school 
and my I think one of the you know, like when when I go back to visit the neighborhood now, it, it was Brentwood. It was which right now, as we speak, is an exclusive part of Los Angeles. It was nice growing up in Los Angeles, but it you know in the early '70s it wasn't you know anything amazing like like it is today. So, um, but but I I was it was it was a very sheltered environment, although uh, two doors down. Um, actually moved, moved in, this is in like the late seventies, moved in the, the Bin Ladens that, from that same wow. family. And, and I, I remember Mrs. Green, who was between us and the Bin Ladens basically said, um, you know, they're plotting to kill us. You know, they, they don't like Americans. This was the late seventies. Wow. And everyone said, oh, Mrs. Green, you don't know what you're talking about. I think she did. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, apart, apart from that little, you know, uh, it, it was it was a fairly sheltered environment, except for my dad as a physician, a gastroenterologist. He would occasionally take me around in the hospital and his clinic. So I, from an early age, I was exposed to the um, you know how food can affect what you're eating. I, I'll never forget um, there was a, a patient who was having gastric ulcers, you know, stomach pain, and I never forget he. My dad was like, well, tell me what you're eating. And he said, salami, you know, and drinking lots of beer. And I remember he said, like, you know, you have to cut that out because that's causing your ulcers. So I remember from a very early age, kind of kind of a window to things that people do can affect their health. Clearly, your your father influenced your education and you chose to uh, go to medical school and you followed that path and uh, you've practiced um, all over the country, correct? Right, I'm licensed in 14 states. I've worked in emergency rooms all over. And then in the last dozen years, I've worked at wellness centers like Hippocrates, which is a raw vegan retreat. I worked in a fasting center for a couple of years in Northern California, True North. And then with Spinagal Wellness, I worked for two years nonstop, but it was really um, like six years off and on. So, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen this all in action and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been for me an amazing journey and I'm glad that we're, we're doing this and we're having this conversation today because I want to share these ideas with as many people as possible because my two degrees in biochemistry, I'll, I'll just level with you. I started off as a complete nerd. You know, I, I started off, you know, taking these intense physics courses theoretical physics courses, my freshman year at Harvard. And I remember like enjoying all the abstract math and everything like that. But I was like, but I wanna work with people. You know, it's, it's, and the only people you would see in theoretical physics were, were other physicists you would talk to maybe about your, your, your theories. So that, that's why I, I transitioned uh, to medicine. And, and, and also to be upfront, I was studying this basic biochemistry as a teenager. I remember 17 years old, you know, with, with a, a Stryer, you know, one of these biochemistry textbooks, just, you know, basically breathing this in. To me, it's a, it's a language. It's a language of life. And what, what, I've, what has been remarkable to me is, sure, have there been advances in the last 30, 40 years in biochemistry? There have. But the base, a lot of the basic pathways and the way things work haven't changed. We've just filled in some of the gaps. It, it, it's interesting. I, 
you know, this, this show is a lot about how um, we practice effective self-leadership. And, you know, we talk about mental health and these, these three pillars of uh, leadership, of wellness, of, you know, a good life and its mind, body, spirit. And without any one of those, the other two suffer. And what we're talking about with you is that body aspect that really is the foundation of a healthy mind and spirit. And I, I just, um, well, I mean, I guess there's people that will argue different aspects of that, but I say it's the body. <laughs> it's the foundation. Uh, but I, I'm wondering if there was any particular event or chain of events that really led you to to shift from the emergency room or you know traditional medicine to like that that uh health and wellness um you know retreat and doing those retreats and all that stuff sure so so what shifted me was a personal problem i was overweight i was you know over 200 pounds and had high blood pressure and I was trying to do everything that traditional medicine had taught me to, to reduce my blood pressure and none of it was working. And, and so frankly, it was out of frustration and, and, and understand that this is, this is kind of humbling because you know, not only did I study these things, I've got two degrees in biochemistry, I've got, you know, I went to you know, Harvard, MIT, you know, I've, I've, been to, I've, I've had some amazing training and yet I couldn't figure out how to fix my own problems. So that's, yeah. And did somebody just say, hey, have you tried this retreat, this vegan retreat? And you were like, no, nah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll give it a shot. Yeah, no, I, I was, I was skeptical. Uh, sure, a few people said, you know, you, sh you should look at this. But, you know, I also knew from some of the basic science, I remember back to, the Framingham heart studies that had been done, you know, back, you know, starting, I guess, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, that, that the people that the people who, who, who were not overweight happened to be the ones who were eating mainly plants. So, so yes, there was some basic science behind it. But but truth be told, even when presented with this information, I was addicted, I was addicted to fatty foods. I was like, Great, that's, that's great information, but what's the least thing I can do to get better, right? Because sure, you, you, you just put a blueprint up for like the ideal, but I, I don't care about ideal. It's like, you know, this, this is me, this is my identity, this is, this is who I am, what I eat, you know, what, what's the minimum? So literally it took me, you know, every year I would, you know, cut out meat one year and then cut out fish the next year. So it took me many, many years to figure this out. And, and frankly, I feel like I'm still not, not with what I'm eating, but with, with other things, I'm still trying to get better, you know, whether it's smart supplementation or whether it's breath work, whatever it is, I feel like I'm, every day, every month I'm making progress. You made this transition and you've done additional education and training to help you be an expert in that field. And 
I'm wondering if you can share some of the wisdom that you've gained over the last several years that that put you at this level where you can help so many others. Right. I, I think the first insight I had was that how quickly, once you get the body doing the right things, how quickly things can turn around. So for example, high blood pressure. I would see consistently once I got patient and this is over a thousand patients. Once I would get patients eating plants that often their blood pressure would come down nicely. Just, and, and, and you might say, well, was it the plants? Yeah, I think it was the plants, but I think it was also, they're not eating the garbage, the processed foods that are causing damage to their blood vessels. So it was both. But to me, what was exciting is someone may have had been doing the wrong things, the wrong diet, the wrong lifestyle for, for 20, 30, 40 years or more. But within a week of doing the right thing, the body knows what's the body knows how to fix itself. And, and, and whether we're talking about what we're eating or exercise or um, relaxation, sleep, whatever we're talking about, it's amazing how the body can adapt. And, and the flip, but the flip side is true also. You could, be, you could be living, Dave, you could be living an ideal lifestyle right now. But if for some reason something happens to you and tomorrow you decide, you know what, I'm going to go back to, you know, the, the bad ways of my past, then, you know, within a week or two, you're going to feel the results. That, that, that your body is always, your body's always watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, this longevity and really turning the clock back. Um, and, and I got to say, man, you look great for 103 years old. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, you do, you look great. Um, and I, I'd, I'd like, you to explain how that works, how you can actually turn back the clock and, and uh, you know, start looking and feeling younger. Yeah, so, so this is very exciting because if we were having this conversation five or 10 years ago, I didn't know most of this stuff. This was just theory. It was theoretical that you could reverse the biologic clock in animals, including people. So, so there was, there were some hints about it, you know, 10, 20 years ago when they would put animals or, or people on extremely low calorie diets that, that it would prolong their life. Right. But, but, okay, so you hear about that and you're like, well, great, but what, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to eat anything? You know, who wants to live a life like that? Right. Well, it, it turns out that if, if you eat plants, which are much less calorie dense than animal products, by definition, you're decreasing your caloric intake. And that's important because, and, th and this is the thing that, that wasn't obvious, uh, but has turned out this way, is that from yeast up to plants and animals, it turns out it's the same exact energy pathways and that these energy pathways are linked to aging. I mean, it didn't turn out to be that simple, but it has turned out to be that the same genes in are, are present in yeast. The sirtuins that are present in yeast are also present in us and other animals. And that if you can change the way the sirtuins 
activate, you can you can either speed up or, or turn back the clock. Wow. And and and, and, it's, and it's it's not just the sirtuins. You've got the AMPK pathway and the mTOR pathway. And I understand you're not a biochemist, but the but the cool thing is you can look up those three pathways and those three pathways. You, you can hack, you can, you can do things to change. For, for example, you can exercise, which will turn back the aging. You can take supplements like nitric oxide and NMN or NAD plus that will turn back the clock. Years and years ago, I mean, this is like when I first began my career in the fire service, uh, a mentor of mine, who was not in the fire service was, uh, you know, in the um, newspaper industry, you know, high level executive, uh, living a, a vegan lifestyle, and, you know, running all the time is quite a bit older than me, I think he was probably, I, I want to say he was probably like 30 years older than me, but looked like maybe he was only five or 10 years older than me. It was really strange. You know, it made me feel weird. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, what, what, why are you a vegetarian? It doesn't sound fun. And, uh, and he was like, well, years ago, I met this guy who was, you know, he looked very young and he told me his age and I thought he was kidding me. And then he showed me his driver's license and his birth certificate because I wanted him to prove this to me. And he said that he was a vegan. He was a vegetarian and he fasted that there. And he was like, and I looked it up and the, there's science behind it that, you know, if you fast and you ha eat plant matter, you know, you eat a plant-based diet, uh, you'll live a lot longer than the average American who is a high calorie, high fat diet. Um, a lot of times with alcohol, he's like, you know, it was hard for me to give up drinking. He was like, but I did. And, you know, I might have a glass of wine here and there, but for the most part, it, it's all of these things together. And I know that I'll probably live longer than you. <laughs> and I was like, oh. All right, fair enough. <laughs> and and I just thought, well, okay. And and like you said, my mind was, uh, you know, who wants to live that kind of life? You know, I want to enjoy my life. And and I think that's a lot of people's mindset. You know, I want to enjoy fine wine and you know the the fatty steak and all that, but when we reach a certain age and all of that living starts to affect our body and how we feel, and if we can put it into perspective, um, like I, I think that with that knowledge, you may come some regrets when you're having heart attacks or uh, experiencing gastro um, issues. Uh, you know, and I, I would say that there's probably some links to um, mental decline, our, our brain capacity and our, you know, Agreed. Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, so 
I, I'm wondering if if you'd be willing to share some of the information that you've been sharing with your clients. Right. So I'll try. I mean, it's it's but I think you, you have a good summary there. So first of all, one thing for people to realize and and I was skeptical if if someone had told me this, you know, 10 or 20 years ago is that you your tastes will adapt your brain will adapt if you go from eating you know drinking alcohol and eating a fatty diet to not drinking alcohol and eating plants you will get pleasure from the new foods that you eat and it is true that that when you drink alcohol that releases dopamine but there are other things which is a reward chemical in the brain but there are other things that you will do so for example, if you decide, hey, I want to improve my health, I want to live a long life, I want to you know, preserve my brain function and, and, and heart and lungs and other body organs, and you're able to make those changes, whenever you set a goal and you meet it, that also releases dopamine in the brain. So you're basically, you're, you're using your frontal lobe to say, look, this is where I could be. And but, but, but let, let's, let's just face facts. The average American is overweight or obese and is addicted to a Western lifestyle of eating the wrong foods, high calorie dense foods, processed foods, not exercising, <clears throat> high stress. And, and can, you live, can you live in that environment? Yeah, you can. It's just not an ideal environment. And the, and the point is, you can get out of that. But Everyone's going to be different. Everyone has a different path. It took me years and years and years to figure it out. So I don't judge. But I think the first step is to realize that things could be better. And the, the picture that I'm painting, you're not going to get that from where most many Americans get their information from the media. Because there's no, you know, there, there's not a lot of money to be made for you not drinking alcohol or not eating animal products or processed foods. A, a lot of the audience, it's, you know, veterans, active duty military, first responders, you know, law enforcement, firefighters, you know, macho kind of careers. And, and when you, when you look at like the stereotypical vegan, you know, you're thinking very slim, maybe a little bit meek, very peaceful. And when you take a macho kind of person and they're like, well, that's not, I need to be like killer. You know, I need to be, you know, jacked and ready to spring into action. And I need that meat to, to fuel this machine. You know what? I, I feel like that's misinformation. One, there's quite a few professional athletes that are vegetarian that have these incredible uh, right. physiques and, and they have that incredible drive. And, and it's not that uh, you can't be this elite performer and eat a strict vegetarian diet. You know, uh, and, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Where do you get the protein in a plant-based diet? I mean, I would say like probably beans and stuff like that. Um, tofu. Am I? 
Sure, but 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 here's another way to look at it: is if you're eating plants, plants are alive. By definition, for something to be alive, it needs protein. So if you're eating whole plants or minimally processed plants, you're getting protein. The the average American is not protein deficient, and I know that having looked at their blood tests. And and we're we're talking about today. You know, a hundred years ago. It was different. We're talking about in Western societies like ours today, the average American is not protein deficient, with the exception of, you know, a few people who've had bowel surgery where they can't absorb, or if they have mold toxicity and, and you know, their mold toxins preventing absorption, but that's extremely rare. So number one, the protein deficiency is not an issue. Well, the issue in today's society is fiber. We're designed to get 100 to 150 grams of fiber in our diet today. The average American gets between 15 and 30 grams of fiber. So that's number one. Number two, the, the whole thought of, oh, I have to eat meat to be an elite athlete. No, I mean, look, watch the movie, The Game Changers. I mean, there you'll see a, many different elite athletes who just eat plants. So, so I understand that that is what our society has kind of painted for us, but that's just not true. One of the things that that we talked about were these different um, illnesses that you've been able to treat or even reverse, uh, completely cure with with what you're doing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, and I would also say that if if you're going to do this for yourself, obviously consult your doctor. You know, this is, this isn't intended as medical advice, but in in my hands and in clinics I've seen, I've seen patients with type two diabetes get better to the point where they no longer need to take to be on medications for their blood sugar. You know, I've seen, I've seen people with brain fog, you know, you, you couldn't even have a conversation with, they've come back, they, they, they have said, you know, Dr. Josh, thank you. I've, I've got my life back. I can go back and, and be a productive member of society. I can, I can work again. So, I've seen people with, with uh, angina, you know, pain from their heart because there wasn't enough blood supply going to their heart. And now they're not having that pain at all. And they can, you know, instead of being able to just barely walk, they can exercise. You know, I've seen people in wheelchairs now walk. I mean, these are things that I have seen reverse. And, you know, just to be clear, in these cases, it's not just one problem that we're reversing, it's normally a dozen different things. And the and, and to fix it, you need a dozen different things. So I'm, I'm not one of these people who says, oh, if you just change what you're eating, magically all your problems go away. No, but I, I've seen some amazing improvements just within a week of, yeah. of doing the right thing. You know, I... One of the things that I mentioned in, and actually you've mentioned throughout the conversation is, uh, you know, dealing with toxins. And when, you know, you look at um, our environment, but then you look at while serving in the military, uh, while serving as a firefighter, uh, the the chemicals and, and the environmental toxins that I was exposed to. I mean, I, I know that I had been exposed to some, you know, some pretty bad molds, but not only that, it was 
like the end of my career when they started to address uh, the exhaust systems of the, the fire trucks. So, you know, you've got these fire trucks that are spewing benzene from the diesel exhaust right. into the firehouses, and we're sleeping in that. Wow. And the direct link to cancer, I mean, it's huge. So I, I'm, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, antioxidants and how to, I, I guess, treat our bodies uh, with, you know, plant-based matter and, you know, uh, is it nutrient-dense uh, vegetables um, that will serve as antioxidants to help our body shed these harmful chemicals. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, the biochemistry behind that? Sure. I mean, I mean, we could literally spend days and weeks on this topic, but but just in general, as you mentioned, benzene, you know, in the military and firefighters will use these foams that are have forever chemicals, these PFAS chemicals that we know hurt hurt basic metabolism. They're fatty toxins that stay can stay in your body for 10, 20, 30 years at a time and wreak havoc. And and I think that's one reason why the obesity rates, you know, have tripled in the last 30, 40 years is we're exposed to a lot of these chemicals. And, you know, being in the military or first responder, you're, you're, you're being around burn pits, you're, you're even higher levels of these toxins. But the key information with these toxins, the, the, the reason that these toxins wreak habit is they speed up metabolism and cause aging. So by being exposed to all these chemicals, your biologic age progressed. And that can reflect itself in cancer and heart disease and dementia, brain problems. But the underlying concept here is these toxins are toxic because they speed up aging. We've covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that we should highlight before we go? Yeah, let, let me just re-emphasize that because for most people, the toxins and infections that we're exposed to are more than one or two. So for example, just to give examples of, of toxins, things like heavy metals, the forever chemicals, the polyfluorinated uh, chemicals, the, um, the benzenes, the petrochemicals, the mold toxins, all these toxins can build up in our system so that there are different things that you can do to try to get rid of them. Things like eating plants that have fiber and antioxidants that can push them out. Things like exercise. It turns out exercise and fasting cause almost identical biochemical changes. So exercising is amazing for the brain and removing toxins, so is fasting. And, and we, could, we could do a whole show just on different types of fasting. Another, another area that I'm a big fan on is smart supplementation, because there are certain supplements that you can go out and buy on, online that are not safe and that will actually hurt you. And there are other ones that are, are great. Um, I try to chronicle this on my website, drjosh.com, drjosh.com, but 
what, what I'm trying to say is that there's, there's so many different things that you need to do to try to reverse these issues, you know, from eating the right diet, exercising, reducing stress, having connection, doing smart supplementation, getting enough sleep. And literally we could spend hours on each of these topics. And, and I, I know this whole area can seem overwhelming. Don't let it be overwhelming. Just what, what I recommend people do is every day try to move forward, maybe move, make a little bit of improvement. One thing that I, I would like to touch on. So um, there is uh, a new report out. I am actually going to uh, publish an episode where I highlight this, but this is uh, uh, a study that was done over the course of several years. Uh, it, it was done by America's Warrior Partnership, um, and they had contracted with the University of Alabama and Duke University to analyze state-provided uh, death data, and they coordinated with the DOD. And this is directly related to the, um, the 22 movement, and I don't know if you're aware of, you know, if you're familiar with that. Uh, but the, what I'm speaking of is the statistic of 22 veterans commit suicide every day. Wow. And it's, you know, it's linked to PTSD and right. what this study found is that that, it, that number is grossly mis, uh, well, grossly underestimated. Right. Um, and when they looked at all these different areas, they found uh, that it, it's close to twice as many per day. And that, that's just a, a horribly sad number. And when you look at PTSD and the effects of stress, and when we talk about PTSD and you look at how our bodies respond and the chemicals that we release when exposed to stress, I mean, it's a natural response to horrible situations, but those stress hormones and everything that's released increase these, these toxins in our blood. And you know, we all know, I mean, anybody that's... Uh, gone to the doctor and they talk about, you know, the importance of sleep and exercise and, you know, diet and all this stuff. But when you're struggling, you, you tend not to sleep, you struggle with that. And you want the easy fix, which is drugs. Uh, and those have their own negative impacts. But when, when we can address at the root of everything, you know, our, our body's natural ability to I don't know, deal with those stress hormones, it gives you a, a better fighting chance to push back against those demons, I think. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Dave. And, and some of my, first of all, it's that number, whatever the right number is, is, is not acceptable. 
we, we need to fix it. And, and I can tell you having taken care of patients, like, like the ones that you describe who go on to, to kill themselves, many of them have specific brain pathology that we could see on PET scans with neuroquant imaging. We can locate within different parts of their brain, toxins, parasites, infections um, that are specifically causing excess inflammation in the brain because often depression goes along with excess inflammation. And I don't think that you're gonna find a magic drug to fix that, you have to go after the root cause. So unfortunately, um, whether, you know, whether you're getting exposed to these toxins you know, through burn pits, whether you're getting exposed to Bartonella and parasites by being in Afghanistan and other you know, tropical you know, exotic places around the world, you have to go after the root cause. And what I was taught at, at Harvard Medical School was that before you can diagnose someone with depression or any other psychiatric disease, you are required to rule out underlying medical explanation. So you, you can't call someone manic unless you first check their thyroid test and make sure that they're not hyperthyroid. And, and so th this was a basic information that was taught to me as a medical student. I don't think we're doing this with you know, the examples you're giving from the military or in general. You know, people with depression, I don't see a huge workup. I don't see PET scans or testing for parasites and other toxins being done. And, and, and I bring that up because I've seen the depression and these other problems go away once you get to the root cause. Wow. Another aspect of that is traumatic brain injury. Right. And, and there are ways to overcome those traumatic brain injuries depending on the severity, obviously, but I, I was wondering if, if you have an awareness on that aspect and how, you know, plant-based diet and, and working with uh, supplements can, you know, help the brain heal from, from that. Yes. So, so first of all, very often on a PET scan of the brain with neuroquine imaging, we can actually see the, the brain trauma It'll often be on the surface of the brain. There'll be decreased activity because that part of the brain has been damaged where, you know, the brain is nice and soft and the skull is hard. When there's trauma, the actual soft surface of the brain will get damaged. And then to treat it, we can do lots of different things. We can, there, there are things called exosomes, which are like stem cells without cells that we've experimentally given intravenously. Other things that we've done, sure, putting someone on a plant-based diet, removing the toxins. Um, they're, they're also, they're pharmaceuticals. There's, there's a pharmaceutical called Vyvanse in studies and in our hands have shown that after brain trauma, we can improve the, the damaged brain function. So, yeah. Um, so, so the answer is there are more that things that can be done than I commonly see be seen done. You know, obviously EMDR is powerful. There are other methods of brain reconsolidation, or I'm sorry, memory reconsolidation that can help. And, and my point is, it's, this is not going to be like a one magic 
pill or, or magic therapy that's going to fix everything. No, you need, because this is often more than just one problem, you need a, a multi-pronged solution too. And finding doctors like myself who are willing to have an open mind and try all those things, you know, try rosemary essential oil, try all these different things. Um, it, it's challenging, but um, that, that's why I'm talking out about this because I've seen some amazing results. What does rosemary essential oil do? Yeah, so it, it does like 10 different things. It's anti-inflammatory, <laughs> anti-pain, but, but for, for this discussion, it also improves memory. And, and we don't, we don't understand, I mean, first of all, the, the essential oil has, you know, half a dozen different, you know, fatty constituents. And then why is it that each one of those, you know, what's the underlying pathway? We don't know yet, wow. but, but there's studies in animals and humans showing that it does help with memory. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. We've got to do an, another, we've got to have another conversation. There, there's just so much, so many questions are like, as I go and I, I listen back on this episode, I know I'm going to have additional questions. Uh, is that something you'd be willing to do? Sure. I'd, I'd welcome it. And um, yeah. And also if your, if your listeners have questions too, I, I love making things interactive and yeah. Right. And, and for those listening that would like to get in touch with you, um, maybe have you come talk to their organization, uh, you know, and just, I don't know if they want to connect with you on social media, you know, how, what's the best way for people to connect with you? I would say through, through my website, which is drjosh.com, drjosh.com. And my email is drjosh, drjosh. Uh, at drjosh.com. So drjosh at drjosh.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Made it simple. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Dr. Josh, thank you so much for taking this time with me. And, and I really appreciate you sharing so much wisdom with us. And uh, I look forward to a, a future conversation. Great. And Dave, thanks for, for helping me start off 2023. And uh, um, yeah, this has been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.